from the Alaska Airline Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. They're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to this is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, July 7th. Oh, holy goodness, Patrick Mahomes. You are probably waking up feeling pretty good this morning. I think so. Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs agreeing on a 10-year extension worth up to $503 million. The deal reportedly worth $450 million over the 10-year period. He's still got two years left on his deal, so now locked up with the Chiefs over 12s, but also uh, could be worth up to $503 million. Some incentives in there and $140 million in injury guarantees. So we'll hear from Adam Schefter. We'll hear from Jeff Darlington on the details of this contract, as well as the implications for the Chiefs themselves and how they will go about building their team for the next couple of years. Plus, the rest of the quarterback market, does this really impact them? Are they able to use this as leverage? Or is Patrick Mahomes just in such rarefied air that nobody can really touch him on this one? Also ahead in this hour, Dwight Howard announcing that uh, he will be a part of joining his team in Orlando, but he's going to donate the remainder of his salary for the 2019 season. That's approximately $700,000 to his charitable initiative. That's pretty cool. When it comes to restarts, we've also got news on Major League Baseball. They had a lot of problems with their testing this week, so we'll discuss details of that. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Today, it's about Patrick Mahomes. The Kansas City Chiefs made sure that they'll have their Super Bowl MVP around for as long as possible. He agreed to a 10-year extension worth up to 503 million dollars according to his agency Steinberg Sports. Now Adam Schefter reported the deal is worth 450 million over the 10-year period, could be worth up to 503 million. The extension includes a 140 million dollar injury guarantee. Here was uh, Shefty talking about that guaranteed money. The language is still being going over right now, but I'm told that it's a 140 million dollar injury guarantee. Mm. So Patrick Mahomes has the protection he needs, he's got the upside he wants, he's got the contract he sought, $140 million in injury guarantee. It also includes a no-trade clause and opt-out clauses if guarantees aren't met. Mahomes had two years and $27.6 million left on his current deal, 2.8 this year, 248 uh, in 2021, Mahomes will receive $83 million plus in signing bonuses from 2021 to 2023. Uh, and then also the Chiefs adding $25 million in incentives over 10 years for Mahomes. Starting in 2022 and for 10 years running, Mahomes will have a $1.25 million incentive for winning the AFC Championship game and a $1.25 million incentive for winning NFL MVP, according to to Shefty here with him giving some more details on the contract. It is a 10-year extension worth $450 million in the extension. The injury guarantee is $140 million. And so the 10 years and 450 combined with the two years he had remaining on the deal of $27.6 million bring the total value of the contract to about 
$476 million. And the bottom line to this whole contract is it now becomes not just the richest contract in NFL history, but the richest contract in sports history, beating the deal that the Angels gave Mike Trout, again, a 10-year extension worth $450 million, an average of $45 million per year. Yeah, the richest contract in professional sports history, as Shefty mentioned right there, surpassing Mike Trout's $426.5 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. Both of those figures, both Mahomes and Trout's, they seem eye-popping when you see them on paper, and yet with the talent that uh, both of these players bring, it still doesn't, um, I guess, seem unreasonable from a sports point of view because arguably the best players at their position, um, Mike Trout, you could make that argument absolutely, and maybe the best player in baseball, Patrick Mahomes, certainly in the conversation as well. He becomes the fourth quarterback since 2011 to receive an extension before the start of his fourth season, joining Ryan Tannehill, Carson Wentz, and Jared Goff in that category. The Chiefs had the 2018 NFL MVP under contract for the next two years, but both parties were looking for more security than that. And actually, these were pretty amicable negotiations on both sides because of that shared goal. Here was Jeff Darlington on the ease of these negotiations. This was actually as amicable of a contract negotiation as you really get. Both sides all along knew they wanted to get it done and they wanted to do it before the start of this season. What's interesting to me, I was having some conversations just a few weeks ago with somebody on the Mahomes side of things and really to me what I thought the hang up would be was that Mahomes wasn't going to want to take as many years, maybe even not as many as seven years. Like he didn't want for his contract to suddenly be out of date. But all of a sudden, this came together in a way that the team showed him why this is beneficial to him. He recognized that and they got this done. And this will provide also the team having that long-term contract provides the team with the ability to plan for the long-term. And Patrick gets paid. The team can continue to plan for what they believe will be a dynasty. And both sides are pretty happy right now. The number of years there is significant, though. Tim Hasselbeck echoing uh, those those words of Jeff Darlington that he was surprised by the length of Mahomes' deal. I was really surprised when I saw a ten-year deal, especially when you consider it's tacked on to you know two years remaining. And I will say, seeing the kind of more and more details come in, kind of still end up being a little bit surprised. Well, listen, if you're going to give away your right to be a free agent, essentially, then you know, you're, you're foregoing the opportunity to have the leverage. Like, look at the amount of money that Dak Prescott, you know, is essentially going to be due. Or you know, better yet, you look at the, the Kirk Cousins situation. Kirk Cousins got $84 million guaranteed over three years on that initial deal with the Vikings. Mahomes, now I understand he's still under contract for two years, but in doing that, he's making 63 over the next three. You know, for three years, and by the way, this is in the past, and we know that the money's going up. You know, Kirk Cousins... Gets, you know, 84 over three, fully guaranteed, and then he gets another crack at it. Patrick Mahomes is going to get 63 over the next three and still going to be under contract for another nine years. So I'm surprised. The contract extension starts in 2022 when the NFL salary cap is projected to be around 20, uh, $227.5 million. But as we know, Right now, a lot of uncertainty. That number could be lower depending on revenue losses due to the coronavirus pandemic and the possibility any games played this season won't have fans. Either way, it's clear Mahomes will take up a big portion of Kansas City's cap space, around 20 percent, depending on the annual contract breakdown and the final cap numbers. 
Jeff Darlington, though, on this mega deal, he doesn't believe we'll keep the Chiefs from signing other players. Well, just from the conversations that I'm having, it's one of those deals where, yes, it's eye-popping. It catches your attention because of the magnitude, but there's not one person that I've talked to that said anything remotely like, man, that feels like a lot of money for Patrick Mahomes, right? This feels right. And the one thing that we need to understand about this deal is the way it's structured in terms of length actually allows the team to plan. They can make moves on the side. They can start to build their roster knowing exactly who who uh, and what Patrick Mahomes will cost them in terms of long-term planning. And I think that uh, Brett Veach, the team's general manager, put it best. He said, we're going to continue to do everything we can to surround him with talent, and this deal provides us more flexibility to do that. I know you might not think that way when you see that monster number, but it truly does allow the Chiefs to continue to proceed with the potential dynasty on the horizon. Lewis Riddick also for ESPN and a little more of the front office perspective too. the ramifications in his mind from Mahomes deal. Structure is very important and the devil will be in the details as far as how this money is going to be played out. But there's no doubt in talking with Brett Feach, the GM, look, it was very important for him to also be able to now move on with developing the rest of the roster and making sure he can keep everything surrounding Pat intact. Look, first and foremost, look, they're still trying to negotiate with Chris Jones. The defensive tackle is one of the best inside pass rushers in the NFL. They're trying to get these two deals done simultaneously and see if they can get him under a long-term contract before that July 15th deadline so they have that piece locked up. And then they're going to have other players who are going to who are really going to be coming to the table here down the line that it's going to be very important for them to keep in, you know, keep in place. But to have Pat done and have that piece solidified gives Brett peace of mind and his team of contract negotiators when it comes to how they're going to divvy out the rest of the money here. A lot of people already asking the question this morning, how will this deal impact uh, their potential quarterback deals, including uh, Dak Prescott, his name mentioned a lot this morning, Jeff Darlington on QBs not being able to use Mahomes' contract for leverage. Patrick Mahomes is in completely rarefied air that people won't necessarily be able to use his deal as a precedent for other deals. Lamar Jackson, I think, is probably the closest one if he can continue to kind of trend in in the right direction. But what Patrick Mahomes has accomplished so far is unprecedented in the NFL, not just from a Super Bowl or an MVP, but statistically what he has done as well. So I just think that it's going to be very difficult for any quarterback, uh, which is very strange and, again, also unprecedented, to be able to say, um, well, Patrick Mahomes got paid that, and to which the the GM of of that team will say, uh, don't even bother comparing yourself to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, a pretty memorable uh, year the year before, but also this past year and really memorable Super Bowl, especially if you are Andy Reid, through touchdown passes on consecutive fourth quarter drives and rallying the Chiefs to their first Super Bowl title in 50 years. That comeback performance earned him the Super Bowl MVP award, cemented his status there in Kansas City as the face of the franchise. He even dealt with numerous injuries this past season, including a dislocated kneecap uh, and He won't turn 25, though, until September 17th, which is still crazy to think about. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to win a league MVP and Super Bowl before turning 25. So once again, if you're Pat Mahomes and waking up this morning, probably feeling probably probably a pretty good morning, right? Up next on the Blitz, MLB has had some big time problems when it comes to the execution of their testing protocol. We'll hear from Jeff Passan on how they might be able to work those problems out before the start of the regular season, but still some big-time concerns. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, July 7th. Some exciting news yesterday, at least for baseball fans, as the 2020 schedule was released. And we got an idea, at least a feel, for what the season will look like. That's if everything goes according to plan, of course. We're still a couple weeks away from the start of that season on July 23rd. So what are some of the highlights from it? We'll get to the Mariners here in just a moment. But the defending World Series champion Nationals will host the New York Yankees in the first game of the season on July 23rd. Also on opening night, you'll get the San Francisco Giants versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. So a good rivalry matchup there as well. After MLB revealed its full schedule on Monday, we also learned ESPN will broadcast both of those first two games. Uh, following opening night, there's going to be 14 games uh, that will be played on July 24th. That is a Friday, including the first game at the Texas Rangers' brand-new field, Globe Life Field. They'll host the Colorado Rockies. On that July 24th, uh, the Mariners will face off against the Houston Astros in Houston so uh, the first team to play against the Houston Astros will dig into what their first few series look like here coming up. Over the 60-game regular season, still feels weird to say that, teams will play their four divisional opponents 10 times each, and the other 20 games will be against interleague opponents in the same geographical area. So still trying to limit travel as much as possible and stay within at least one part of the country. So National League West teams will face American League West teams. The opening day matchup between the Yankees and the Nationals could also serve as Garrett Cole's debut in pinstripes. Cole and the Yankees agreed to a record nine-year, $324 million contract this past winter. Since speaking of big contracts today... Also, other highlights include Madison Bumgarner's return to San Francisco when the Arizona Diamondbacks face the Giants uh, in late August. And Oakland Athletics pitcher Mike Fires will get his first look at his former team, the Houston Astros, on August 7th uh, in the Coliseum. Fires blew the whistle on the Astros' sign-stealing scandal, which was the biggest conversation in baseball uh, throughout the winter before COVID-19 shut down the sport. The season ends September 27th with all 30 teams starting their games at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time, so 12 p.m. Pacific, to allow for a final day playoff scramble if it needs to happen. But most games this season, important to note, will be at night. Although the All-Star Game and games planned for London, Mexico City, and Puerto Rico have been canceled, the St. Louis Cardinals will end up taking on the Chicago White Sox on August 13th next to the Field of Dreams cornfields uh, in Iowa, which is cool. Jackie Robinson Day, usually celebrated April 15th, will be August 28th. That's the date that Martin Luther King Jr. led the March on Washington back in 1963. Also, the date that Brooklyn Dodgers owner Branch Rickey talked to Robinson in 1945 about a future in the majors. And the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues will be celebrated August 16th. Roberto Clemente Day will be September 9th. So still finding a way uh, to get those important dates in baseball involved this year. Of course, there are still some big questions when it comes to health and safety protocols and the ability to test. We heard a couple of teams complaining that they still had not received the results of their tests before being tested again. And actually, some clubs coming out yesterday and saying that they actually weren't going to go about practicing because of that factor, including the Washington National, Nationals and the Houston Astros. 
There was also complaints from the Oakland Athletics. Jeff Passan on the gaps in testing being problematic right now. Throughout Major League Baseball recognize that what has happened over the last week, while incredible that they have gotten as many tests done as they have, is problematic because there have been as many gaps as there have. It's not just the fact that the Oakland A's tests were taken between 11 and 1 o'clock Pacific time on Friday and weren't shipped out until 1.30 in the morning today. It's not just the fact that club after club has been going through this stuff. It's something like an individual player who told me, I last got tested on Sunday. Not Sunday, yesterday, Kevin. A week before that. And his next test was not until yesterday. That's six days in between tests. And if things like that are going to happen, if people are going to fall through the gaps like that, that is when it becomes truly problematic. And that's why someone like Chris Bryant is saying something to the effect of, I don't feel safe. He's not the only one. We'll hear from more Major League players on what they think. We also will hear uh, from the Mariners. Summer camp still fully underway at T-Mobile as of now. But uh, the season essentially in the hands of the players, according to Jeff Passan. More from him. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, July 7th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. Yesterday on the Bob, Dave and more, the guys were joined by Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. Uh, he has been watching Mariner's summer camp out at T-Mobile Park and what have been some of his observations. Also, maybe some of his thoughts on big name players potentially opting out this season. I, I really feel a guy of the stature of Trout, if he comes out and says, you know what, I'm just not comfortable for these reasons, whatever they are, that it might be the domino that'll, that'll empower some others that might feel a little weird about being the one to raise their hand and say, I don't, I don't want to play. Uh, do, do you see any fallout from that if Trout does say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sit this year out? Uh, I mean, there will be some, but Major League Baseball did a pretty poor job of marketing Mike Trout anyways. You know, like they're terrible <laughs> at marketing their players. So while he may be the best player in the game, you could argue whether or not he's the biggest star in the game because, one, he plays in Anaheim where they don't um, – they don't have, you know, they haven't been good in a long time, so he hasn't been on the biggest stage. And and then, too, you know, like I said, MLB doesn't market him. The Angels don't market him. And, he, and by nature, he is not a very going outgoing person or somebody who seeks the limelight. I mean, he's talked more and been more interesting to the media in this last eight to ten months than he has for his entire career. And I don't know if that's the maturity or understanding that it's part of it now or, you know, the kind of understanding that he has a voice and he probably should say things because he is the best player. But, you know, if if, if they, they start playing games and he's not a part of it, you still have Aaron Judge and you have Mookie Betts and you have other guys that they can push to the forefront that are also just as good and just as charismatic and that, you know, you can, you can kind of sell on that. I mean, I think once games get going, that will be important. But it would be a loss if Mike Trout doesn't play. And what's kind of interesting is the juxtaposition. Like we talked to Braden Bishop today about opting out or not playing. And he's like, it's not really an option for me. Like where he's at in his career, where he's at financially and stuff, he had to play. And um, I think that, you know, um, once they kind of get going on that, I mean, I think that's what the Mariners, but the Mariners players are different in a lot of regards. 
they don't have guys that could really opt out because they're not in a position financially or in their career to do so. All right, Divish, you said you were out there. What'd you see? Who stood out to you? <laughs> were you able to figure out anything uh, or was it just kind of take oh, yeah, it in no, the, it the new normal? Oh man, like uh Jerry Kelnick has apparently uh, been doing a little lifting. I mean that guy came out, he's yoked. Uh, I was like, you know, he wasn't he wasn't uh small to begin with, you know, and he you could tell he spent some time in the weight room before, but like he that kid walked on the field and he looks like he's gained about ten pounds of muscle just in the off season or in this time away from spring training, lifting and doing stuff. So um, you know, he looks good. I thought Kyle Lewis today hit a, a homer in um in uh, live BP that was just a missile. Uh, and uh, it was pretty, it was, uh, it was, it was impressive to say the least. Um, um, well, I thought Marco looked pretty good. You know, we haven't seen a lot of the pitchers through live BP yet. I, I mean, you say Kikuchi's been, you know, throwing 150 pitches every day, it seems like in the bullpen. Um, but, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard in these workouts. I think when they start inter-squad games on, on Friday, that will uh, be easier to kind of determine who is who is looking good and who isn't. That was Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times, and his full interview is available at 710sports.com for you. Just click on that podcast tab. Also yesterday, we'll hear from Scott Service in just a moment on what summer camp has been like, that experience. But we got a peek at the Mariners schedule for 2020 beginning on Friday, July 21st. And they will be the uh, first team to play against the Houston Astros in Houston, uh, a four game series over that first weekend of baseball. Actually, a, a challenging start for them. Now, there'll be a lot of games against divisional opponents as uh, was outlined by Major League Baseball and keeping things on the West Coast for them. Um, But four games at Houston, three games at the Angels to start off the season, and then four games versus the Oakland Athletics. That will be their first home series. A couple of rough stretches that I've highlighted on this schedule Uh, They'll have three games at Texas. They get a a rare lone day off on August 13th, but then they've got three games at Houston, two games at the L.A. Dodgers, then have to come back home to face two more games against the Dodgers, who should be pretty formidable this year. They'll also have uh, three games at San Diego and four games at L.A., both those teams um, showing some promise, especially San Diego with their young core and their farm system right now. And then finally, to end the season, three games versus San Diego, three games versus Houston, so at least those two series at home, but then three games on the road at Oakland to wrap up the 2020 season on September 27th. We got to hear from Scott Service yesterday uh, speaking. It was in the morning ahead of that day's worth of summer camp, but uh, giving some updates on, first of all, how different workouts are. Everything is so condensed here. So as you watch a workout, you know, you're going to see 20 players on the field. you got the outfielders doing their drills at the same time that the infielders are where in Peoria. That is all happening at the same time, but the outfielders might be over on field six. The infielders are on field two. You just don't see it all. So uh, I think from a uh, a fan's perspective, uh, they would much more uh, re- enjoy these type of workouts. You just see more going on than maybe what you do in Peoria. But uh, uh, the, the timing, pacing, what we're getting, not a whole lot different. 
Scott Service also on having a ton of versatile guys. We've seen that be a priority for them in the past, but especially this year in a truncated season when you might perhaps be dealing with either injuries or uh, unfortunately, maybe positive test cases for COVID-19, having a ton of versatile guys will certainly help them out. We have a, quite a few guys on our team that are pretty versatile. They can play a number of positions, whether it's, it's Tim Lopes, more versatility on Marvaleos, Hagerty, uh, Dylan Moore, you know, D. Gordon moving around the field. Like Having those conversations with players, just letting them know the more you can do, you create more opportunities for myself and the ball club and more opportunity to play. So those are more one-on-one conversations with guys and guys are very aware uh, what the roster looks like, what their situation is. Um, they need to perform. Scott service also giving a couple of injury updates, at least on Tom Murphy he said he fouled a, a ball off of his foot, but no other serious injuries. Tom Murphy fouled a ball off his foot yesterday. Um, he's a little sore today, uh, but he should be fine and, and may not get after it on the field today, but should be back out here soon. So other than that, not too much. Again, you know, with the condensed time we have here in the clubhouse, you don't see guys, you know, just lingering around. They're getting in, they're getting their work. Uh, the training room is not as full. It's early yet, but oftentimes the training room turns into kind of a hangout spot. And because we can't do that, there's just been less traffic, um, which is a good thing. But uh, Murph's the only one that just, you know, like I said, he's got a contusion in his foot. and We'll monitor that. A lot of fans happy to see Taiwan Walker back in Seattle and update on him. Yeah, Taiwan looks really good. Um, I was really encouraged, you know, when we, with him when we actually shut down in Arizona. And I would say he's picked up same intensity level right where he was when we shut down. So uh, he will not be held back at all uh, or taking it slow. Uh, both he and and Kendall Graveman have looked great so far in early bullpens. The intensity level is up. The ball's coming out hot. And, you know, things have changed so much in baseball. It used to be back, guys would get in a bullpen, they'd get, get the field, touch and feel, they call it, not really let it loose. Now every bullpen, every pitch is tracked. Scott Serve is also saying Austin Adams is good to go. And as for Justice Sheffield, one of the big names, younger names in camp, uh, he took the biggest step forward in the manager's mind. Uh, it was in an awesome spot when we left Arizona. Uh, of all of our young pitching, he probably took the biggest step forward. I thought he had a great spring training. Um, what we saw in the spring was his total. I mean, it's, for Justice, has always been, you know, good fastball, running, sinking fastball with the dominating slider. And, uh, he really took off with the changeup. So he, re- he added a third pitch, real quality pitch, a uh, lot of action to it, was trusting it, throwing it a ton. Um, we shut down and had a lot of momentum and confidence. That hasn't changed. Good news for the Mariners. Up next on the Blitz, it's time for the hot list. Dwight Howard announcing on CNN yesterday that he will join his team in Orlando, but going to donate his paycheck. We also have updates on the NBA. He said that players can't alter their jerseys this season. We'll explain why. It's next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! Conversations still surrounding the possibility of Antonio Brown signing with the Seahawks. Michael Bumpus, 
joining uh, Danny O'Neill yesterday, filling in for Paul Galana, Danny and Gallant, but also joining the afternoon show. And he laid out how an A-B deal with the Seahawks could even get done. Now, for A-B, for this thing to happen, I think he has to come in. He has to take the league minimum. He's got to have a, a sit-down with with, uh, with with Pete and John Schneider and Russell Wilson. I think they're going to sit down and say, Russell, this is your guy. you got to take care of him. There are a lot of things that need to happen for the Seahawks to make this happen. But the reason why they're even sitting down and having a conversation about it is just because of what he does on the football field. So, unfortunately... This is the way the NFL works. You can be accused of this and that, but if you are really good at a job and the team really needs you, they're going to sit down and have a conversation with you. Michael Bump is also saying uh, that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett might have had a conversation as well. They wouldn't do anything to hurt the team, but I would almost guarantee that they had a conversation. They're going to be professionals. If he is on board, they're going to give him a chance to mess it up or give him a chance to prove that um, he, he's changed or whatnot. But they have had to have conversations. Yeah, I mean... When I was in college and there was a recruit coming in who was you know, a high recruit and he's supposed to do this and do that, me and my boys had conversations like, who is this guy? You know, What's he really going to be like? I mean, uh, why, why are they bringing him in? Are they replacing this guy? Is he going to play ahead of that guy? And then in the league, it just, it's amplified because now all these moves are, are super public. Michael Bumpus also discussing that uh, social media posts that have surfaced and uh, Russell Wilson he thinks that that's a hint that Russell Wilson is up for playing with Antonio Brown. I also think that Antonio Brown went to Russell Wilson and asked him if it's okay for him to post his video. You don't just post stuff. I mean, people are private. You're on Russell's secret, um, not secret, but but private backyard. You don't just go around and and post things of Russell Wilson. That just doesn't happen. He's he's that type of player. He's he ha- he has he's on that level when it comes to the NFL. And Russell probably okayed it. He said, "All right, you can post that." So I think Russell has a good relationship with Antonio Brown, and he's definitely definitely up for it. Uh, yesterday, Danny O'Neill also chiming in and saying the Seahawks has have been a team traditionally that like giving guys second chances. I think acquiring him fits with the approach that Pete and John have generally taken, and, and I mean that in this sense, that, hey, they don't excuse guys from their mistakes. They don't try to say, yeah, you know what, it wasn't that big a deal, but they do like to give people second chances. I don't know if if the nature of, of some of the things he's been accused of and some of the public behavior, like you mentioned on Instagram, but then there's also been actual complaints against him for sexual assault or improprieties. Nothing's been proven. I don't know if how that factors into their decision, but the idea of giving a guy a second chance, they've they've had a they've had some success doing that. Sometimes it's bit him in the butt, but but they've had a fair amount of success and coming in and saying, okay, you know what, you you're. This is you've got one chance here. You don't get any. You don't get any latitude. Like if if there's if there's a mistake, we're gonna we're gonna part ways. Major League Baseball released its schedule for the unprecedented sixty game season on Monday, but they did so on a day when there a lot of concerns about health and safety were raised at the same time. A lot of questions about gaps in the testing process and the. Uh, processing of those tests. Houston Astros, Washington Nationals, and St. Louis Cardinals canceled their workouts due to delays in test results. The Oakland Athletics have yet to incorporate position players because of a similar issue. Also, you have some big-name stars expressing trepidation about this season. Mookie Betts came out yesterday, was asked about his chances of suiting up for the Dodgers this year uh, or ever, given his pending free agency. But uh, he said, quote, I still have my doubts just based off of what's going on. I'm definitely preparing the same way. I'm fully expecting to play. But that doesn't mean that there aren't doubts 
that kind of go on when the facts aren't in front of you. Betts joined the Dodgers alongside David Price in a five-player trade in February and had four weeks with his new team before the COVID pandemic postponed the upcoming season. Um, But now summer camp, still some concerns with what's going on. And with the testing protocols yesterday, Jeff Passan saying on ESPN that gaps in testing are problematic. People throughout Major League Baseball recognize that what has happened over the last week, while incredible that they have gotten as many tests done as they have, is problematic because there have been as many gaps as there have. It's not just the fact that the Oakland A's tests were taken between 11 and 1 o'clock Pacific time on Friday and weren't shipped out until 1.30 in the morning today. It's not just the fact that club after club has been going through this stuff. It's something like an individual player who told me, I last got tested on Sunday. Not Sunday, yesterday, Kevin. A week before that. And his next test was not until yesterday. That's six days in between tests. And if things like that are going to happen, if people are going to fall through the gaps like that, that is when it becomes truly problematic. And that's why someone like Chris Bryant is saying something to the effect of, I don't feel safe. As well as Mookie Bates, Betts saying he has doubts about the season upcoming. Jeff Passan also on the season essentially being in the hands of the players. If they didn't forecast issues at the beginning, then they are far more naive than any of us realize. And I think they are inveterate planners. This plan just fell through and it was a mistake and it came back to bite them. Because when you're trying to come back in the middle of a pandemic, you do have to get everything right. And, and that's the problem. There is no margin for error for Major League Baseball right now. And all they're hoping going forward is not just that the testing is going to be taken care of, but that the players are not going to look at this as a sign that this isn't going to work and start breaking the protocols that are in place, that they're going to continue distancing at the stadium, that they're going to be responsible outside the stadium, that they're going to respect the idea that the only way a season gets off the ground is with them leading the way. Also, Passan noting that opt-outs aren't concerning to teams just yet, but that could change. Boxing promotions run by Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya, uh, as well as teams in the MLS, NASCAR, and IndyCar were among several sports organizations that used a federal loan program designed to help small firms cope with the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. This data was released on Monday and for the Paycheck Protection Program, showing hundreds of thousands of program recipients and across all industries, not just sports, but sports represented on them. None of the four major North American sports leagues, the NFL, NBA, NHL and MLB were among the businesses that applied, uh, according to the data, because the federal government, though, has released loan amounts and ranges. You can't tell exactly uh, how much each of the businesses applied for, but the data shows businesses that applied for and received loans, though some may not have taken the funds eventually. We do know that three of boxing's biggest promotion companies applied for between 350000 and $1 million, including Mayweather Promotions um, and Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions. They were approved for loans. Mayweather last year was named the highest-paid athlete of the decade by Forbes at 915 million dollars. At least four major league soccer teams tapped into the PPP program. According to the data as well, DC United and Inner Miami were approved for loans in the one to two million range. Orlando City and the Seattle Sounders each applied for between two million and five million. 
Also, a bulk of both NASCAR and IndyCar teams were approved for substantial loans. Big Three Basketball, a Los Angeles-based three-on-three basketball league co-founded by Ice Cube, received $1.6 million, but it returned 700000 according to the company. Uh, the remaining 600000 they said, was used to pay coaches and players for the season and to ensure that the league could pay its 2021 season and uh, ensure that it could have it as well. Los Angeles Lakers center Dwight Howard, he appeared as a guest on CNN tonight with Don Lemon on Monday and told the host that uh, he will be joining his team in Orlando. There was some uncertainty surrounding uh, whether he would or not, but here was Dwight Howard on with Lemon yesterday. I have a contractual obligation to my teammates, to my fans, the Lakers, the organization, and everyone. But at the same time, I also have an obligation to my family in my community. Uh, so, yes, I will be joining my team in Orlando. But during that time, we will be getting a lot of work done here in Atlanta and, you know, around the nation as far as, you know, making sure people don't forget about us and what's going on. Dwight Howard also saying uh, he will donate the remainder of salary for the 2019-2020 season, which is pretty amazing, approximately $700,000 to his charitable initiative, Breathe Again. Dwight Howard on donating those paychecks and keeping people aware of what's going on. Uh, I have an initiative that, you know, I'm starting, uh, restarting. It's called Breathe Again. And um, uh, during my time in the bubble, you know, I will, I will use that time to, to talk about breathe again i'm going to use my salary uh, all the money that you know uh, the the paychecks that i will be getting from uh, going down in the bubble uh, to help uh, push this our movement and just make sure that people don't forget about what's going on in our society it's a pretty cool story um also yesterday malika andrews espn nba reporter um talked about the decision the NBA made on not allowing players to alter their jerseys. There was some discussion about that. I think that for the time frame within which the NBA was working, they decided that they couldn't get the permission that they thought they needed to get from individual families in order to have those names on it. That's one of the things that they're saying. Now, obviously, this is a a league that has done a very good job of marketing itself worldwide. And so, of course, when it comes to these these messages, Sarah, as both you and I know, the NBA is a very progressive league. They stand behind Black Lives Matter. They stand behind ending police brutality, especially as it is disproportionate to Black Americans. That being said, this is a business, and this is a business that needs to make money. And anything that infringes upon that is something that they are going to be careful of. And so you're seeing them set those extra guidelines. Well, the story of the day yesterday, it belongs to Pat Mahomes. The Kansas City Chiefs made sure their Super Bowl MVP, QB, will be around as long as possible Mahomes agreeing to a 10-year extension worth up to $503 million, according to his agency. But Adam Schefter reporting the deal is worth 450 over the 10-year period, but could be worth up to $503 million. Some incentives in, them, in there for him also includes a $140 million injury guarantee. So a lot of security there for Mahomes as well. A deal also includes a no-trade clause and opt-out clauses if guarantees aren't met. Mahomes had two years and $27.6 million left on his deal, a 2.8 this year, 24.8 in 2021. 
So he'll receive $83 million plus in signing bonuses from 2021 to 2023. Not bad. The Chiefs also threw in $25 million in incentives over 10 years for Mahomes. He's now locked up for the next 12 years with Kansas City. Can you imagine the turnover that might happen within that time around him, not just on the team, but even head coach, even uh, front office? It, it, it's amazing that now for at least the next Decade plus, Mahomes will be a staple of that franchise. Starting in 2022 and for 10 years running, Mahomes will also have a $1.25 million incentive for winning the AFC Championship game and the same incentive for winning NFL MVP. Not bad. It's the richest contract in professional sports history. It surpasses Mike Trout's $426.5 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. And yes, while eye-popping, you can't argue that both those players are two of the best in their given sport. Mike Trout's the best baseball player in this generation arguably and then Patrick Mahomes at least in the conversation for the best quarterback right now Mahomes becomes the fourth quarterback since 2011 to receive an extension board before the start of his fourth season Ryan Tannehill Carson Wentz and Jared Goff uh, among the crowd as well now they had the NFL MVP uh, in 2018 under contract for the next two years but both parties looking for more security than that and that's why This was actually a pretty amicable discussion, even though you're talking about such a large sum of money. Both sides are clear on what they wanted out of this and accomplishing that as well. The years surprising a couple of people in the industry, including Jeff Darlington and Tim Hasselbeck. They spoke about that this morning. But at the end of the day, he ends up getting a deal and plenty of money to go along with it. He still won't turn 25 until September 17th. And he's the first quarterback in NFL history to win a league MVP and Super Bowl before turning 25. So not bad. Congrats to Pat Mahomes uh, there in Kansas City. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.